Hallelujah, indeed. You know, when you think of God and his majesty, I think it's, uh, we, we use so many different words, um, but when they come to, to thinking about God and who he is, you know, the words just can't express uh, how, how he is, first of all, and, and then how we ought to feel about him. We, we often overuse the term awesome, but when you think about what awesome really is and what it really means, it can only be applied to our Father and who is in heaven, the one who, who spoke in the universe, leapt into existence. Hallelujah. Glory be to our great God. Man, hallelujah. Glory to him. I don't want us to just get in this, this rote uh, a formation about thinking about things. Yeah, I know God is great and I know he's done a lot of things and he's, uh, I, I don't want us to, to lose sight of how awesome and how great he actually is. Man, when you really think about it, think about the words in this very song. If Even if you didn't know the song, but you, you looked at the words or read the words and closed your eyes and man, sends shivers down my spine how great our God is. Man, I'm happy to be here today, to be able to proclaim and be used as an instrument for our great God this morning. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 5. We're in the midst of our study uh, through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, we'll start in verse 12 this morning. As we think about the greatness of our God and who he is and what he's done for us, uh, from eternity past all the way to uh, the rest of uh, eternity future. Man, it's just, it's so great that uh, he does what he does, right? That, that he uses us in, in various ways and, and capacities. But I do think, just like I just said a moment ago, I think we, we tend to dilute that and we fool ourselves into thinking that uh, the things that we do, the things that we're able to do, we're doing in our own strength. When we see things happening in the world, I think we tend to fool ourselves into thinking, well, I, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not made in a way, or I can't withstand, or I don't know enough, or I don't have enough experience. But we forget how great God is. We forget that when we submit our lives to Christ, that the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Comforter, the, the helper comes and, and, and he, he's living within us and he guides us and molds us and enables us to do what we can't do with ourselves in our own strength. We forget that. Today, this morning in our text, we're going to get a view of what that looks like in practice. And just to rehearse this again, right, when we see the disciples and Jesus is walking with them, he's teaching them for three years and they don't understand or at one minute they understand and the next minute they, they don't understand. And Jesus is like, well, won't you get it through your thick skulls? Like, what's going on here? And, and as, as things go on and, you know, Jesus says, you know, hey, this is going to come. I'm going to go home to my father and, you know, all these things are going to happen. And they're like, no, 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 we don't think, no. You're going to stay with us, and you're going to be a conquering king, and you're going to be the person here on earth that we need and we're looking for. They didn't get it. Even um, after the resurrection, they're like, okay, well, now I kind of get it. 
Now I kind of see what's going on. After uh, we see Jesus, he uh, defeats death, he defeats the enemy, and he, he was resurrected, and he walks among them and others for a short time. They start to get a little bit more. Then he ascends to the Father. And then this is where the book of Acts opens up, and we get to see the, the foundations of the church being laid. And what we notice here, and I, I want to hammer this home as much as I can, we see this ragtag group of just normal dudes who, while they walk, they, they, they learn from the greatest person you could ever learn from firsthand. But it wasn't until after he ascended. Then we, we see the day of Pentecost, where they're together in this room and the Holy Spirit descends on them, the same Holy Spirit again that um, fills us. This Holy Spirit comes and he shakes the room. They begin uh, speaking so that everybody that is there could hear them, hear the gospel, hear the good news in their own language, in their own dialect. They didn't go to school to learn these languages. And they didn't have to pass any tests. The Holy Spirit came in, gave them the words to say and how to say them so that the people might be changed. The same Holy Spirit that fills us today. The same Holy Spirit that, that gave them courage gives us courage. And we see a, a change in these folks. Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times and ran away. This brother came out of the gates. You can't stop him now. This is what I love about Acts. We see this, this is a totally different person from the Peter that we saw in the, the Gospels to the Peter that we see here. This guy is on fire. And he wants people to know about a man named Jesus. He's courageous. Today I'm calling for us to be courageous as well. Because again, the same Holy Spirit that was in, in action then is in action right now. The same Holy Spirit that uh, had guided and and changed these ragtag groups of of normal people. He can change and use normal people like us here today too. Amen. Acts chapter 5. Let's start at verse 12. It comes in and says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem, and more than ever, ever, ever believers were added to the Lord magnitudes of both men and women, so that they were carried out. They, they, they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them out on cots and mats that uh, Peter came by, and at least his shadow might fall upon them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem bringing the sick and those who were afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This reminds me as I'm reading through this section in the book of Matthew, Matthew 5 and 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we see all this coming out. The people are coming out of the woodworks. And we saw this when Jesus was walking on the earth and he was doing his ministry. They heard about the name Jesus and they said, well, this guy is, he's doing the miraculous. He's healing, you know, people, the lame are walking, the the blind are seeing, let's go see this man named Jesus. And now they're doing something similar with the, these guys are, they're talking in the name of Jesus and doing all these miraculous things. The same thing that Jesus did. 
man. So much so that they're bringing them out of the woodworks and laying them out in the street. And like, well, Peter walks this way every day. Maybe just the, the cast of his shadow, maybe that will be enough. Man, look at the faith that we see in these people. The people who received the benefits of grace and the power of Jesus were those who were humble. They were poor. They were, they were desperate. We see this continue to play out here in the text this morning. These humble are being saved. They're being loved. They're being healed. And I believe God is still in the business of healing today. Often it's through medical interventions or um, many people have firsthand accounts of miraculous healing that takes place. James 5 and 14, it says, Is any among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the, the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and he is, has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. But I wonder if we truly go to the Lord. I wonder if we truly go to him as we are ones and poor in spirit. When or if we go to the Lord, I wonder if we approach him as one, uh, as if we are the one who is helpless, if we are the ones that are in need of grace. You know, most of us live fairly comfortable lives. You know, we have middle-class families, middle-class homes. But unfortunately, I think that also promotes middle-class spirits where we think we can do for ourselves and pick our own selves out for, uh, or by our own bootstraps. We have this mentality that we can just do it on our own. Or maybe we can delay it. Like maybe if I just save up enough money, maybe if I tried a little harder, maybe if I worked an extra few hours, we rely on these steady paychecks instead of relying on God. Our hope is in our comfortability and it's not in Christ. He's our backup plan when things don't work out as we planned it. Well, it didn't work out the way I tried to do it, so uh, now I guess I'll go to Christ and see what he can do about this. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. Because I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. The apostles here, they didn't put together this elaborate uh, church planting strategy or this business plan. The brothers and sisters like them, we, we need to be desperate for a savior. This is not a once and done thing. Like, well, I was desperate then and I, I accepted what I'm now, I'm good. No, we need to be desperate and be on our knees to him and, and begging for his goodness and his mercy every moment of every day. We're not done. We see the apostles, they didn't seek out these influential people in the area in order to get people on their side, in order to, to win them. No, they did what Jesus modeled for them. They had a strategy of compassion. They had a compassion for God's people and did just like Jesus had done. They had the ultimate teacher, the ultimate model. And like, well, I, I see all these, they're doing all this stuff over here, but that's what Jesus did. I'm going to do what Jesus did. I wish that would be us. Man, I wish that would be us today and for us to read the scripture. And I'm like, well, I don't care what else is going on in this world, but Jesus did this, so I'm going to do that. 
man, he cared for people. He didn't walk past those people who were in need. He, he had compassion on them and, and helped them any, any way that he could. He didn't go around healing everybody, but, you know, just touching and, and letting them know that he was there and being able to pray over them. Man, I wish we could be like that. But, of course, when we choose to follow Jesus, there's always opposition. And we know that, uh, you know, the prosperity teacher will tell you, no, after you accept Christ, everything will be all good. You have all the riches and the cars and the, the homes, but that we don't see that in Scripture. That is simply not the case. And in fact, we see the opposite. Jesus said the opposite. They said, they're going to hate you because they hate me. And, and even if you look at the, the apostles, they, they didn't have it going on either. They didn't, they didn't have the fancy cars and jewels. And, I mean, they got by by faith, and doing what God had called them to do. Look with me in verse 17. The, the hater stepped up. Oh, I'm sorry. It says the high priest. The high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in a prison. Now, it would be one thing if these Jewish leaders, if they were concerned about uh, doctrine. It would be one thing if they were concerned about bad theology. How dare these people go out and try to tarnish the name of Jesus and try to usurp his authority. It would be, be one thing if they were worried about people not getting taught exactly what Jesus taught to them. That's not the case, unfortunately. They didn't care about God and his glory. They were concerned about their own selves and their own glory. Man, I hear so many discussions here today where we want to talk about doctrine and theology, but we're not doing what Jesus said to do. We, we want to have so much head knowledge that we don't have any heart. We don't have any compassion. For those, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. But somehow we seem to forget that. Now, did these religious leaders, did they want the people to stay sick? Did they want them to stay demon-possessed? I don't think so. I don't think that was the case. But they just, they didn't want their power taken by other people. They didn't, they didn't want their leadership questioned. They didn't want taken away by somebody else putting theirs on display. Well, we, we have the same thing happening here today where people are arguing against stuff just because of the message and the motive of the speaker. It, coming out of the mouth of somebody else, they might actually agree, but because of who it's coming from, they don't want to hear anything of it. President Biden could literally cure cancer and provide treatment for everyone, and people will still be mad that he's forcing his agenda on others. Well, he's not worrying about the COVID. I mean, maybe cure cancer, but. The same thing would be true of former President Trump. There's no way for him to win. He could have done something uh, really great and fantastic that would benefit not only the U.S., but the world. Like, well, never Trump. Some people, there's no winning. And we don't listen to the message because of the messenger. Too many people are more politically minded than they are kingdom minded. 
when we choose to do good, opposition will follow. First Peter 4 and 12 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted by the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God, and it, is, it begins with us. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteousness is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is a great example for us today, brothers and sisters. This is an example for us to stand apart from the world and co courageously do what Christ has called us to do. But it's, it's for this reason, I think that we don't. Again, we live our nice, comfortable lives and hey, I'm not trying to rock the boat. I'm doing okay. Why am I gonna jump into the fray and have these arrows coming at me? It's the least that you could do. The least that you could do is take a few arrows for the one who gave up his life. It's the least that you could do is stand up for those who are oppressed, for the one who gave up everything for you. He didn't give up his life for you to be comfortable. He gave up his life so that you might know him and tell others about him. If you need more assurance of what this looks like, let's look in, in verse 19. So they've, they've arrested the apostles here, throw them in jail to silence them. Verse 19 says, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the middle of the, and, and speak to the people of all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the highest priest came, and those who were with him, they called together a council, all the synod and all the people of Israel, and, and sent to the prison to have them brought. And when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, hey, we found the prison securely locked, the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they were greatly perplexed. <laughs> They were perplexed about them, wondering what this could come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. <laughs> what in the world? They're in prison. They're locked up. And let me remind you, when you have people in prison and you have guards, these are specially trained guards. They were good at their job because you know what? If they weren't good at their job, they would live no more. If you mess up on this job, forget about being fired. Forget about being counseled. You would lose your life. They would cut your head off. 
So, <laughs> here we are. We have these guards at the door. The door is locked. And these guys just disappear. I mean, like I said, they are good at their jobs and they know what, is, was, what they need to do in order to go. And, and you could say that, I mean, they were hard-headed. They just went back to going ahead and, 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 and spreading the good news. They went back to teaching the people about Jesus and who he is. Man, what more? I mean, if it were, I, mean I hope I would be able to do something like this. I would be a little scared, to, to be honest with you. I would be praying for courageousness, but I would be tiptoeing like I would be on the edge of the city. You know what I'm saying? But they boldly, in the middle of the city, went back to what they were doing. John 14 and 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these than he will do, because I am going to the Father. Man, greater than what Jesus did more miraculous. Matthew 9 and 35 says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out labor, laborers into the harvest. Just like it was true then, it's true now. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is what I'm praying about for our church, that we would have compassion on our community, that we would go seeking the poor, we would go seeking the hurt and the sick, and we would go and minister to them. This is how we reflect the love of Jesus and his glory, uh, the glory of the Father in heaven. This is how we do it. We've got to be committed to reaching people with the gospel message. This is why we're here. This is what we're here to do. When is the last time that you invited someone to make Jesus the Lord of their life? I gave you a challenge a few weeks ago to go and tell one person, just one, one person about Jesus Christ. Because if you take a step back, I, I mean, I wonder how many would be hard-pressed to, to, to remember the last time that we told somebody about Jesus. I asked people to report back, and I'm overjoyed to hear some of those reports that came back. Miss Alice, the, as, as I, I gave this, this challenge, and, and she said she began to pray about, who, who can I share Jesus Christ with? She's at home, and she gets a call. And people, the person is asking about religion and what that means, about all this, this kind of stuff. And as, as she's having this conversation, she's like, this is my person. This person on the other end of the phone was a Jehovah's Witness and trying to get her. And she's like, let me tell you about a man named Jesus. She's like, oh, this is my person. Well, man, this is, this is amazing to me how this, this can happen. 
and, and she had what she needed in order to have that conversation. You know, another Chrissy came and had a similar conversation. Uh, somebody in her family called her and just asked a question. They had saw a movie and they had some questions about, um, you know, the Christian religion and, and how things work and who does what. And she had the same response. This is my person. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. And for, for both of those people, and, I, and I've heard some other stories as well. You know, Lee, Lee came and told us a couple of weeks ago about him and, and the experience that he had, right? The, the thing is, we're worried and concerned that, well, I don't know enough. I'm not going to be comfortable enough. And what if I say the wrong thing? But the same Holy Spirit that uh, guided and molded and instructed the apostles, the same Holy Spirit guides and molds and instructs us today. He puts the words in our mouth so that we can say exactly what needs to be said to the person that he placed in front of us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be nervous because we've got the Holy Spirit. You can't tell me nothing. I got the Holy Spirit. I mean, we should be out there with, with bold and, and, and courage all day, every day. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. But we're thinking about our own selves and what we can do in our own might. And we need to take a focus off ourselves and put it back on Christ, put it back on the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. I know there's more of you, and I want to hear those stories. Who is it that God brought into your life to have a conversation? If you haven't yet, there's still time. You still have an opportunity to pray for who can I share the good news with? Who can I start building a relationship with that they get to know me as a person and, and they would trust me and I could uh, or have an open door to share the good news with them? When we do this, some will respond in faith and others won't. And, and we shouldn't expect 100% acceptance. And in each of these calls, I don't think either one of them gave their life to Christ. But the goal was our obedience. Our responsibility in that moment was to do exactly what God has called us to do. Maybe it was to lay a seed. Maybe it was to water the seed. But if we continue to, in our obedience and continue to share this good news, we'll get the opportunity to be in front of us, uh, have somebody in front of us that, that we get to see be harvested, that give their life to Christ, and we get to rejoice with him. But even those seeds are important, and we have to do our part. Here we see in our text, the apostles with courage going back and doing exactly what they were locked up for. Because their focus is on eternity. Their focus is what God has already done for me. They take advantage of every opportunity to share the gospel. And they remind the people about Jesus' death, resurrection, and exaltation. That's their goal. That's what all they wanted to do. That's what all they could do. That's all they wanted to do. And it's because of Jesus' finished work on the cross that we receive forgiveness. And that and we, when we repent from those things. This is our life is to seek him. This was their life. That's, that's all they, they wanted to do. That was their job. But they treated it like one. 
they are so consumed with Christ that they can't help but tell others about him and make him known. And we do this today. There's a lot of things that we want to tell people about that we're so excited about. You know, our family, our grandchildren, our brothers and sisters, you know, somebody got a new job and we're excited. Let me tell you about what, what my cousin is doing. It's so cool. But yeah, we're afraid to tell them about what Jesus did. And that's what matters. I'm happy for your cousin. That's, that's fantastic that they, they got a new job. But what will benefit them even more is to hear about Jesus and what he did. Brothers and sisters, don't waste any precious moments. Even uh, God places, when, when he places somebody in front of you, just have the courage to talk to them about Jesus. Tell the truth about the gospel. When you do, remember that the Lord is with you and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1 and 16 says this, I love this. For I will not be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Man, I wish we lived like we, we believe this, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel because of the power that it is for us. Acts 5, we'll pick up here at verse 40. Verse 40, to close out the chapter, when they walked in, the, they had called the apostles and they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Even after being beaten, the disciples weren't afraid. Being in prison and being beaten and whatever is sent on their way, they were still courageous. They were courageous and actually rejoiced. They rejoiced because they were worthy enough to suffer in the name of Jesus. First Peter 4 and 13 says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Just like these folks did, they went right back to preaching the gospel. Don't get so comfortable that you don't want to make Christ be known. All the things that you have today is a gift from God. And, and let's be honest, most of us, if any of us, we're not going to suffer the type of persecution that we see here in the book of Acts. We're not going to suffer the type of persecution that we see across the pond in various other countries. The worst thing we're going to get is somebody snubbing their nose up at us. Oh, you one of those Jesus freaks? You one of those Bible thumpers? They don't, do people say that anymore? The, the worst thing for us these days is people are going to look at us weird. We really don't have a reason not to be courageous. We don't have a reason to be ashamed of the gospel when we think about the power that it holds. 
this message of the suffering Jesus is far better than living comfortably without him. He won't forget what you do in his name. Even if you step out, you step out on faith, and even if your voice is quivering and um, you, just, you just say, well, do you know Jesus? And Jesus is good. <laughs> hey, that's good enough. That's a stepping stone. And you've been obedient. And God sees that. And he loves you for it. And next, next time you can say a little bit more. Maybe next time you say a little bit more. It's like a muscle. You've got to work out and you've got to exercise to get stronger in that area. From firsthand experience, there is something energizing about um, the ministry being done and the power of the Holy Spirit. These two ladies, Lee and others, can tell you just by sharing the good news and the excitement that they felt by doing that. Oh, this is my one. I get to share. Yes. It's amazing, let me tell you. So if you haven't shared the good news, if you haven't had a gospel conversation, man, I implore you, this is a feeling like you have never felt before. The ability to be a, a spokesperson for God. We look at celebrities and put them on a pedestal these days. And, and you, I mean, back in the, with Michael Jackson, and you saw these videos of people crying and falling out and all that kind of stuff. It's just a, a man, not even a good man. And he can sing and all that, but some issues. But when you look and think about God and who he is and that he, he knows you and that he wants to use you, man, you talk about exciting. And you get to do something in his name and you get to proclaim his name. And somebody else that comes and they want to submit their lives and walk with you with them. This is amazing. It's something that we um, should not take lightly. There's a sense of joy and energy when we operate within our purpose. And this, brothers and sisters, is our purpose. Matthew 16 and 24, where Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the, soul, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory of his Father. And then we will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there is some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Man, this is, I, man, I hope this is me. Looking forward to that day to see Christ return. But nonetheless, even if I do taste death, I know I get to be with him forever in eternity. I get to be in his glory. That's what we get to look forward to. If you would follow him. Jesus connects his suffering with our suffering. And this suffering for the gospel, this is part of our calling. This is what we're here for. My question to you today is, do you want to experience real joy? Do you want to experience real excitement?
If so, I just urge you to take heart with what we discussed here today. I want you to have compassion for the needy and be bold in your Christian witness. Have courage. Be courageous. Live with integrity. Give respect. Live with humility. You might face some opposition, but you'll be ultimately ultimately filled with great joy. When you live out your purpose in Christ, you will be filled with joy. Even if you experience physical opposition, you can still have joy because Jesus took the ultimate beating for us. One day, the mighty will cower at his terrifying justice. And so we need to be sure that we align ourselves and stand with our king. Today is your opportunity to choose this day who you will serve. And you're serving somebody. We're all slaves. The question is, who is your master? Is your master sin? Or is your master Christ? Choose today who you will serve. I'm going to be here. You know, John and Lee, they're, they're in the back there. If you want to have a question, you have a question about what it is that we're talking about, what it means to follow Christ, I urge you to come and let's have a conversation or start that conversation. Let us know how we can be praying for you to have more courage. How can you be more courageous in your life to be able to stand with your king? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for this opportunity here today. We thank you just for who you are and what you've done for us throughout the annals of time. Father, thank you for this example that we have in your scripture and your text today, how you have taken normal people just like us here today, and you've taken them and um, you you made them and, and through your Holy Spirit and give them such courage in their own lives so that they can do what it is that you call them to do so that people would hear the good news that they would be uh, compassionate on those who are sick and needy and despite the opposition that they would go and still stand um, with the importance of, no, of people knowing who Jesus is help us to have that help us to uh not be so concerned about our comfortable lives here today, but more concerned about the eternity uh, and the souls of the people that we come into contact with. That we would be, uh, through our testimony, we would be able to share with them who you are so that they would be able to have hope in this hopeless world. Father, just uh, I hope that we don't forget any of this as we leave the building today, that you continue to have this on our mind and, and you uh, would continue to draw us to you so that we can live our lives for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.